agree today that God's good to us every day. Amen. You all may be seated. Thank you for standing. Got some great things happening this morning as well as this afternoon. And uh, we're going we're gonna to pray the glory of God just minister in this place this morning. Amen. Look around. God's good to us. Thankful to have Brother Daniel with us this morning, and he's moving around in the sanctuary, filming and taking pictures. Uh, he's working on our website and wanting to do it perfect, and I greatly appreciate his effort. He's been working on this for some time now and getting it close to being finished, but he wanted to be with us this morning and tonight and, and try to get some some different things to add to the website. Could we agree together today there's a lot of people that wants to visit a church before they ever visit a church? Amen? How many of you all, before you ever walk into Lowe's, you already know what aisle the product you're wanting is on and you know the price of it and you know if they've got it or if they don't have it simply because you've already pulled it up on your computer at home and you know all about it. It is that way in life. They visit our church before they ever walk through the door. And uh, I'm thankful that we have this opportunity to make it right. And uh, he actually even brought his drone to get some aerial uh, views of the outside and things. So uh, we're going to uh, hopefully, by the good grace of God, put together something that's going to be able to minister to people not only in here but minister outside as well and we've already got several that follow us on our live stream and uh, radio ministries and things like that so praise God young people you are dismissed to your classes in the name of Jesus This afternoon's service, uh, we have got a handful of people that's wanting to be baptized, so we're going to have a baptismal service in the afternoon service. I'm thankful for their obedience to the Word of God and their understanding the great grace and the great mercies and the great kindness of God to allow this to be. Amen. The Bible teaches us that we are buried with Him in baptism, so... Uh, they're, they're going to be buried in Jesus' name. This morning, our series, our discipleship series, starts a new theme. And this morning, it's the DNA of a disciple. The DNA of a disciple. And this morning's lesson is the priority of love. And I believe that the necessity for people not only to love, but to be or to feel love is an absolute must in all of our lives. Some of you all have felt the loneliness. Some of you all have felt 
the times in your life, and you can go back to that very moment, that very day probably, that very week or month or whenever it la- however long it lasted, and you can remember the time when you were, maybe you were surrounded with people, but you felt alone, you felt like you were isolated, you felt like that, as the, as the scripture said, no man careth for my soul, and that's the, the, the responsibility of the church to not only the best of our ability, but to the anointing of the Holy Ghost to allow this community to know there is someone that cares about you. You're probably seeing people during the course of a day or a week, whether it be on your job, wherever you might be, people that are extremely lonely. They might not show it on the outside. They may not display it. But on the inside, they are reaching and longing for someone to care about them. They may seem as if they've got it all together and everything's perfect, but on the inside of them, they feel that there is, they need someone to just embrace them. I remember listening to a minister, and I don't remember where he was at. It's been quite some time since I heard this but he was in a, in a conference, and he said he sat down with a group of people. There was a young man there. Maybe it was just his habit. Maybe it was just the way he, he's a, maybe a touchy type person, but he leaned over, and he, he embraced the young man sitting there. He put his arms around him. He hugged him, whatever it might have been, and the young man began to cry. And for you and I in here, I try to make my way throughout the congregation, give high fives, fist bumps, shake hands, hug necks, whatever it might be. We embrace one another. But he asked the question later. He said, why is this young man emotional about me putting his arms, my arm around him? And he made the statement, that was, I have, I have been alone so long that nobody has embraced me. Nobody has hugged me. We, we don't know what an embrace means to someone whenever we put a hand out to shake their hand or give them a kind word or to embrace them in whatever the manner, what it means to them. And I believe that as a church, we need to be very sensitive to the Holy Ghost. Can I get an amen? We need to, get it. We need to be sensitive to the Holy Ghost, not to look at everything at face value, I see you and you see me. You're great. I'm great. All is great. Everything's wonderful. And leave it at that. But if we're sensitive to the Holy Ghost, it might be that we need to walk over and say, God wants you to know he loves you enough to die for you. That God wants you to know today that he sees your situation and circumstances. I'm not talking about speaking outside the realm or the boundaries of the word of God or the gifts of God, but I'm talking about being sensitive so you can speak within the boundaries. Amen? And God wants to use you. You know what the five-fold ministry is designed for? To edify. You read it. To edify. Not so one office can be lifted above another office, not so we can have big I's and little U's in the kingdom, but so that everyone is ministered to, to edify the body. That's what we're here for, to lift one another up, encourage one another, bless one another, love one another, help one another succeed 
in their relationship with God. That's the calling in my life as a pastor to oversee the people that have come into the sanctuary to love, to help, and to minister. And your calling is that as well in the sanctuary today. If you have your Bible in honoring the reading of the Word, would you stand with me? I want to read from 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 1 through 3. And once again, good to see you in the house of the Lord this day. I know we've got some that we're going to, we've been praying for and we're going to continue to pray for that's picked up a virus somewhere and not feeling well this morning. And we're going to pray quick recovery for them today. But I'm thankful that you are able to be here this morning. The Apostle Paul, writing in his first letter to the church at Corinth, ministered to them in chapter 13, and we know that chapter 13 goes in extensively to the subject of love. King James Version renders the word charity, but in our English today we would call it love. Instead of saying charity, we'd say love. Though I speak with the tongues of men, of angels, have not love, have not charity, I'm becoming... I become a sounding brass, tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy, understand all mysteries, all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not charity, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. Could we, this morning as we begin our prayer, ask God to remove, one, distractions from our mind that we can receive this today, but two, give us a full understanding and revelation of what he is saying in these scriptures that have been given to us by the Apostle Paul. Pray with me. Father, we humble, we surrender our will. God, we are faced with our inabilities every day. We're faced with our lack every day. We've, we are faced with our failures and our faults every day. But today, in the name of Jesus, God, let us make sense and have a revelation, have an understanding of how to achieve what you've set forth in your word. I pray in the name of Jesus, remove the distractions from the enemy, from our mind. We understand that he desires to sift us as wheat or devour us. And God, in Jesus' name, I'm asking you to remove that from our life today, remove distractions from our life today, and allow us to be able to hear and receive from your throne your will for this day. Grant me the anointing of your spirit in a word of wisdom, a word of knowledge, and the discerning of spirit that I might speak life into this congregation. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. You may be seated this morning. The priority of love. The lesson big idea today that is given in our lesson plan, because love is the defining trait of the Christian faith, it will become our highest priority. Now, let me set some boundaries here this morning, and we're going to try to get in as much information today as we possibly can. But I find sometimes that we are frustrated, and we frustrate ourselves because we can't live up sometimes to the high and lofty requirements that we read and I find people that that seemingly burn out sometimes trying to achieve things 
that they read in the Scripture. So we need to set some boundaries in this passage of Scripture on love. When, how does love work and what is God requiring of us? If we look into Scripture, much of the New Testament gives us an understanding of the gifts of the Spirit, Right? Gives us the fruit of the Spirit, right? We're to bear fruit of the Spirit, and it's so far different than our natural, our earthly, our human nature, right? Amen? So if we can understand some things that God is wanting us to tap into a divine nature, He's got to help us in this. Can I just bring it down to as simple as we possibly can get it? We have to have help in achieving what the Bible tells us we need to achieve. We can't do this. You can't read it as a self-help book and say, I'm going to work these principles because these principles do not work without the power that goes with it. Amen. So, as we talk about this love that we're going to try to break down as simple as possible, this level of love is is a divine love and not a natural love. This love is an action and not all about feelings and emotion. You know, a lot of people would be far better off in life if they would allow their mind to have a little bit of play in their activity and not just simply their heart. Amen? Sometimes we find people that they live on their emotions and they're not allowing their mind to think through the process before they do it. Anybody ever been caught up in hype before and you did something and about two days later, sometimes it's about two hours later and you think, wow, what did I do? I did not think this through at all. I was caught up in an emotion and I did something and I thought, wow, I, I, and I'm talking about good stuff. I'm not talking about the negatives or the bad. I'm talking about you get caught up in something. Everybody else is doing it. Everybody else is doing it. And all of a sudden you step out and you do something because of the emotion and you hadn't thought it through. So let's talk about this today. There's a story in the Bible that all of us probably have heard of the Samaritan, right? May not know the details of the story but we have the Good Samaritan Act, right? People trying to do good for somebody in great need, and sometimes we do harm. I remember not oh, a handful of years back, I came up on a car accident, a lady upside down in a ditch. She was strapped in. She looked like she weighed maybe 80 pounds. Very tiny woman upside down in a ditch in her car, strapped in in her seatbelt. And another guy pulls up and my thought is, we got to get her out of this car. She's upside down in a ditch. She needs to be out. And she was going into shock at the time. And we had another guy come up and said, oh, don't move her. Don't move her. You can't do anything. Don't move her. You'll get in trouble if you move her. And my thought is, we got to move her. So me and another guy, I don't even remember who it was now, we gently, as gently, and I'm not saying this was the right thing to do. I'm here again. My thought is we need to get this lady. She's going into shock. We need to get her out of this car. She's upside down. It's going to be a while before the ambulance gets here. We need to do something. So we got her out of the car, brought her up on the highway later down, and ambulance came. Everything was good. I forgot about it. And a few days later, a family member contacted me 
and told me that she had been going through chemotherapy. Uh, she was in very bad health, uh, probably 80 pounds, and they were very thankful that someone was willing to help her out and get her up there and cover her up and, and make her better. So sometimes it goes well, sometimes not so well, but if we look into Scripture, there's a story of a man. He was on his way to Jericho. Is that where the, the man was going? The Bible tells us he was on his way. He was going to a, per, a place. He's a nameless person, a faceless person. We don't know who he is. The Bible doesn't describe him. Other than the fact this man was on a journey, and on his journey, he got caught with some people that attacked him. We can, we can play in our mind the scenario. We can talk about how, why he was, where he was going and what he was doing. But in fact, the Bible doesn't give us a lot of information other than the fact he was a victim of circumstance. The Bible says a priest came by, right? man of God came by. He looked, but he went on. Think about this. Another Levite, maybe a priest assistant, came by and he walks over and looks. Maybe he made eye contact. This guy was what? He was half living, half dead. The Bible says he was half dead. So we look into this scripture and we understand this man was in great need. He was dying They'd stripped him of his clothing. They'd stripped him of everything he had and left him there to die. As the assistant comes by, he may make contact with him, but not wanting to get involved in the situation, he goes on his way. And then there was a Samaritan. And he walks over and he binds this guy's wounds. He puts him and takes him to a place that can help him. He pays the bill, and he makes a pledge to the owner. You take care of this man, and here is the money to cover the expense. If it is more, when I come back, I will pay that as well. We would look at that man and say, that man loved that individual. But here's the kicker. This man probably did not even know this individual, so how can we say we love somebody if we do not even know them? So it's hard for us to look at this individual and say, oh, that Samaritan loved this individual. Well, we don't know if he loved him or didn't love him. Here's what we do know, that he loved in his heart, right? He had love in his heart, compassion. The Word of God says he had compassion. So he had compassion on this individual because of who he was. Here's what I'm wanting us to do. This year as we're striving for excellence, we're wanting to grow in our relationship with God, I want us to be able to move into the realm of being who we're supposed to be regardless of what's going on around us. And here's, the, here's what I believe. If we are who we are supposed to be, then we'll do what we're supposed to do. The circumstance won't dictate, but we will be what we're supposed to be and do what we're supposed to do because we have something on the inside of us that determines how we act every day. Are we understanding what I'm saying this morning? As 
uh, that wasn't very encouraging at all. Notice in Luke chapter 10, verse 25 through 28, here's the layout, how it started. Behold, a certain lawyer stood up, tempted him, him being Jesus. He wasn't wanting to know the answer. He was wanting to tempt him and trap him in his answer. Certain lawyer stood up, tempted him, saying, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Now understand, he was speaking based on the Mosaic law that they were still living in. He said unto him, What is written in the law? How readest thou? He answered and said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy strength, with all thy mind, thy neighbor as thyself. So we understand that all commands hinge on these two. If I love properly... If I love God, I'm going to do what I'm supposed to do toward God, right? If I love in this way, if I love him with everything in me, every fiber of my being loves God, I'm going to treat him right. I'm going to, I'm going to honor him right, and I'm going to do what he's asked me to do. Amen. And if I love my neighbor properly and I love my neighbor as myself, you can leave your door unlocked, and I'm not taking anything because I love you. You can be comfortable around me because I'm not going to harm you in any way. Remember, the last six of the Ten Commandments is how we treat our neighbor. First four of the Ten Commandments is our relationship with God. The last six commandments of the Ten Commandments is our relationship with people. And Jesus said all the commands hinge on these two commands, love God and love people. So as we look into this this morning, and he said unto him, Thou hast answered right, this do, and thou shalt live. So they were under the Mosaic law at this point. He said, just fulfill the law. And if you love God right and you love people right, that's what all the commands are about. Amen? Could I just remind you at this point, this whole thing is summed up in relationship. It really is. Relationship with God and relationship with people. If you're out of balance in your relationship with God, there's no options. You've got to properly align. Now, this morning, I, I don't want to get on your bad side so early, but let me, let me remind you, he said if you're out of balance with your brother, don't come offer me anything till you make it right with your brother. So I know that's, that's a difficult statement already in this morning service, but it's about relationship. Relationship with people, relationship with God. If we can, if we can master this, you're going to see the storeroom of heaven, the doors of heaven open. Will you all help me out this morning? Amen. So Jesus had been approached by a religious man, a lawyer, who desired to justify himself. He wanted to ask Jesus the question, and whenever Jesus answered, and Jesus told him to go do, and this thou shalt live. So wanting to justify himself, verse 29, he asked this question, but he willing to be justified, 
or to justify himself, sat unto Jesus, who's my neighbor? All right, that's where we get this story that we open with today because Jesus gave him a parable of somebody in great need and he asked him the question, who was a neighbor? Who was the neighbor to the individual that was in need? And he says, go and do likewise. So God's premier or premier attribute, right, is love. God's premier attribute is love. Aren't you thankful for that this morning? You all with me? Amen. I'm thankful the good love of God reached into my sinful nature and offered me an opportunity of grace and mercy to come to a place of repentance so that he could cleanse my life up and me become something that I was not, and that is a person in relationship with him. The apostle said we were aliens to the commonwealth. In other words, we did not have a God. And we were trying to do it all on our own, but through the good mercy and grace of God, he comes into our life and he knocks on our door. He said, I stand and I knock at the door, and if any man will open, I'll come in. If we keep the door shut, he's a gentleman, and he's he's not coming in by kicking the door down. Saint of God, can you understand this morning, our response matters. How we respond to the preached word of God matters. How we act under the anointing and the drawing of that Holy Ghost. He said, no man comes except my spirit pull or draw. Nobody's coming except his spirit pull or draw us. He's wanting to take us out of darkness into a marvelous light of revelation that we can have proper relationship with him. I want you to understand 2 Peter chapter 1. I'm going to try to... Break this down as well as possible. How do we even come close to what we should be when we read what we should be out of the Word of God? You know, whenever we read about the Apostle Paul or Peter, we read about these great men, these great women of God, how in the world am I going to measure up How am I going to get where they are? How am I going to get to the place where they were at? 2 Peter gives us a little bit of an insight. And here's what I want all of us to strive toward. This is what I want us to reach toward this year. And many of you all have acquired much of this, and maybe all of us have acquired much of this, and we're well on our way. But in order for us to go to that next place in our relationship with God. Notice what he says. According as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. We preach this many times, but this morning I want you to notice how this is going to play out. God, I want to love people properly. I want to act toward people properly. I want to do what you want me to do properly. I want to be where, I want, where you want me to be properly. Right, we want, to exti- we want to reach into that realm and say, God, let me love you the way I'm supposed to love you because some days I don't feel like I'm there. Some days I don't feel like I love people like I should. But I'm, 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 help me, God, in this situation. 
So he said, he's given us everything that pertains to life and godliness through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue. Verse 4 is the key verse I want you to notice. Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises that by these, Brother Morgan opened with this this morning, these great, precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature. And I believe this is an absolute must for all of us today is for us to say, God, I want to participate. I want to be a partaker of the divine nature because this carnal nature is not going to get me where I need to be. Can I get an amen? This carnal nature is not going to get me where the Word of God tells me that I'm supposed to be, so I've got to tap in and have His help and acquire or partake in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. I believe we would all agree together this morning we need help from the Master if we want to live like the master there absolutely must be a connection with him in order to live like him amen there has to be a connection with him in order to live like him I'm not talking about an experience 25 years ago I'm talking about Continuous connection with him. Has anybody in here got a car that you can fill up today and it does not run out? You drive it every day and it does not run out of gas for a month. If you've got an F-250, you don't even get one gas station to another sometimes, seems like. Right? Right? Why would we think we do not need a renewing? We need to be refueled. We need to get retanked, right? In order for us to shake off all the contaminants. You all that are out in the world every day, we're all out in the world every day. We're dealing with this every day, right? We're dealing with people every day and all of them aren't in church on Sunday morning and when they come in on Monday morning some of them are not in the right mood because their team lost tonight in the Super Bowl and they're rubbed wrong and they're upset and they're frustrated and they take it out how do we deal with all the frustrations of this world living in this world that's been condemned and keep our head above water amen it's through the divine nature and making sure we're connected to the one that has the authority and the power. We understand that in Acts chapter 1, Jesus told the disciples in verse 8, you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost comes on you. Now the problem we face is that we're living in a dead world. Amen? We're living in a dead world with dead people. They're alive physically, but they're dead spiritually. That's not a dig on anybody. That's not me making that statement or that judgment. That's the Word of God. That's the Word of God. 
We're living among dead people. As the song said, I'm a wa- I was a dead man walking. Y'all heard that song? I was a dead man walking. And that's where we are until we are made alive. As Brother Morgan read this morning, he breathed on them and said, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. As God breathed into the nostrils of Adam and he became a living soul, we need that power from on high. We need that anointing, authority, power, dominion of God to infuse himself in us that we might have life with an abundance. As we look here, we understand the problem we're dealing with is we're living in a dead world and a world that is separated from God. And we're making connection with them every day on a daily basis. And we deal with the influence of this everyday life. And to live in the Spirit, bear fruit of the Spirit, operate in the gifts of the Spirit, requires great discipline on our part. Can I get an amen? We have to be disciplined in our walk with God in order to bear fruit of the Spirit. Here's what I want you to understand this morning. In frustration, sometimes we remove the face of the individual. In frustration, we remove all that person is going through, has went through, or dealing with in their life, and we simply see the frustration. I was coming out of Middlesbrough this week, coming into Harrogate. I was in the passing lane. There was a car, two cars in front of me that was pace setter. And he was going relatively slow. It was a man going relatively slow. There was a truck in front of me, and he probably wasn't from here to that pew right there on, from the bumper of that guy. He slid over into the slow lane, there was an opening, he's going to pass this guy and come back. As he slid over and sped up, this guy decided, you're not passing me. So now we got two that's trying to, they're doing their best to get in front. Well, he got just enough, and we're talking about a couple feet maybe, he slid back over in front of this guy in the car, and this car never let up. He was right on his bumper all the way through Harrogate, and I was just watching. You know, sometimes in those situations, we lose sight of the fact that's an individual. All we see them is a frustration. We don't see their face. We don't know their children. We don't know what they're dealing with. We don't know where they're at. We don't know where they've come from. But in my thought today, this morning, can we put a face back on everybody that we're dealing dealing with? Can we consider for just a moment, and here again, we're going to get into this and try to make sense of all this love business because I don't believe love renders us weak. I don't believe love makes us a doormat for everybody to walk on, all right? I don't believe because you have love you lose your opinion. I don't believe because you have love you have no say in any matter. I don't, I don't, I'm not teaching that this morning. But in love, can we be what we're supposed to be because we're connected with God? Amen? And put a face back on everybody that we're dealing with. That we see them as a human and we take into consideration their situation. Because sometimes I lose that. 
And truth be known, maybe somebody else in here other than me loses that. And we're dealing with a frustration and not a person. Amen? Look at, look at Luke chapter 24. And said unto them, Thus it is written, Thus it behooved Christ to suffer, to rise from the dead the third day. Repentance and remission of sin should be preached in his name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until you're endued with power from on high. So Jesus to the apostles said, you need more power. Amen? And Jesus to this church today is saying we need more power because he understood the frustrations his disciples were working through. Do you remember when they went through Samaria and they said, let's lodge here tonight, and the Samaritan said, not here. And you remember, I think it was James and John, the two that one sat on one side and the other on the other side. I believe it was the sons of thunder, right? Do you remember? They said, hey, how about this? How about we call fire down from heaven and we'll make everybody here crisp? That's the disciples that's following Jesus, that's having compassion on the sick and healing people and feeding people and blessing people and raising people to life. And the disciples that have been with him over these years thought, wow, can we just kill everybody? You know what the apostle Paul said, and some were some of you. Because there's times I don't want to talk it out. I'd rather just get a hammer not really, all right, all right, not really. Last man standing, how about that, all right? Uh, no, but that's where we are in our human nature. I know how to deal with this. I know how to take care of this problem. And Jesus said, oh, just pump the brakes there just a little bit because you don't know what spirit you're of. And that's what I need sometimes is God just say, wait a minute, Audie. Man, you don't know what spirit you're of. Did you pray at all this morning? Come on. Right? I'd, I'd have to say, well, probably not appropriate. Properly. I didn't pray right, maybe. We just need Jesus to tap us on the back of the head a little bit. So wait a minute now. So let, let me ask, let me give you a few things to consider. We're talking about reaching that level where we love properly, love God and love people. We're reaching that level where we're loving properly according to the Scripture. Here's a few things to consider. One is, how's your prayer life? Amen? I was listening to some of the uh, Because of the Times of 2005, reaching way back. Sister Vesta Mangan was the featured speaker for that service I was listening to and I listened to it and told my wife I said I don't think any of the ministers liked her and she said why not I said because she just told us to go pray right you know Vesta Mangan she's going to tell you go pray it don't matter what you're doing go pray how's your prayer life Man, I'm frustrated, I'm upset, I'm struggling, I'm battling, I'm dealing with all situations and circumstances. Man, my mind is running at a pace that I can't keep up with anything and my mind is just overwhelmed and my, my, my life is frustrated. How's your prayer life? 
Amen. How's your prayer life? Are we praying properly to make a connection with God? Amen. Are we taking time out, have designated prayer time to say, God, I need help here. I'm struggling. You don't know how it is to preach a message on Sunday morning and have to come before the presence of the Lord and say, God, they don't need to hear me. They need to hear you. Let me get out of the way. Help me. Right? Help me get out of the way so you can talk this morning. So we need a prayer life to say, God, I need your help. He said, if you lack wisdom, ask, and he'll give. Right? You have not because you ask not. But all of it's not about asking for Things amiss is what the Bible says, but asking for things that's going to help us spiritually. God, I've already prayed for you all this morning. I prayed for this service this morning. I prayed for songs, the right songs to be sung this morning. I've, I've prayed for the right, all these things to go right in our service this morning, that hearts be challenged. Life's be challenged this morning to get closer to God. I need to be closer to Him. He's coming back after a church in revival. He's coming back after people that are alive. He's coming back after people that's got faith and praying and seeking Him and pursuing Him and about the business. How's your prayer life? One thing to consider. Another thing to consider is what am I allowing in? Amen. I had a friend of mine I spent the night with on a few different occasions when I was very young, very young. And I noticed his morning drink was vastly different than my morning drink. My mom had a glass of milk on, he had a 30, y'all remember those 32 ounce Cokes? He didn't have a glass, he had the whole bottle. He had a 30, I'm not throwing stones at anybody, I'm just trying to help you out for a moment. His, his diet of the morning drink was a, was a Coke, a 32-ounce Coke, and now he's struggling with diabetes like crazy, all right? He's struggling right now health-wise, can't hardly get out of the house. He's struggling bad. What I'm saying is our steady diet, you know, it's one thing to have a snicker bar every once in a while. I used to tell one of the young men in our, in our Bible class and when I was teaching at Tri-State, He'd come in maybe a little bit grumpy mood, and I'd say, do you need a snicker? <laughs> right? Sometimes it's okay to have a snicker, but what we need to be aware of is what is my steady diet here in this world? What am I allowing in? Because I'm going to, be, I'm going to go into Cracker Barrel, and I'm going to listen to Loretta Lynn sing I'm a coal miner's daughter or something. I'm going to hear a variety of all types of information and all types of, of solicitation and all these things going on in the world when I'm out in the world. But what's my steady diet? Am I coming back in and listening to Vesta Mangan every once in a while? Am I coming back in and, and instead of popping in a, a CD of... <laughs> two weeks ago, I said, I said, maybe we need to get off of Leonard Skinner and just listen to... And somebody came up right after the service, and he said, Did you know I was listening to Leonard Skinner just a few minutes ago? I, said, I did not, but that was pulled out of the air, Leonard Skinner. All right. Hey, how about this? How about we not have a steady diet of some things that's taking us in the wrong direction? And say, God, pull the reins back just a little bit, and let me take inventory of what's coming on, what's coming in. What am I listening to, and what am I seeing?
what am I seeing, what am I hearing? Because this is going to play a role in how you do business. Another thing to consider, let me, let me ask you this, your circle of close friends, your circle of close friends, I'm not talking about your coworkers because we work with coworkers, we have people, it's coworkers, right? Your circle of close friends, how spiritual are they? It, it matters, amen, it matters. Your circle of close friends, how spiritual are they? How is your prayer life? What's your intake? How spiritual are your close friends? In telling the parable of the Good Samaritan, Jesus demonstrated that neither religious position or religious activity are the what determines discipleship. But we understand through Scripture, the Samaritan was the one that had compassionate mercy and reached out to help this individual without asking questions and without knowing the details. 1 John chapter 4, verse 8 and 11 says, He that loveth not knoweth not God. God is love. In this was manifest the love of God toward us because that God sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. Herein is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us. Sent his son to be that propitiation for our sins. What appeased God. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. Now, God's love is not a feeling, but an action. And to further demonstrate in the parable of the Good Samaritan, it highlights a reoccurring theme in Jesus' teaching, and that is the fact that love is not about just feeling or an emotion, but about doing. Jesus told his disciples in, in John chapter 13, verse 4, 34 and 35, A new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, if you have love one toward another. If I have love toward my wife, I still have an opinion. Amen? I still have a say in the matters of life. I still can disagree with her opinion, but I still love her. Can we accept that in the church today? Because sometimes I've found people that if they have one disagreement with somebody, they're not coming back. Because I, I don't, I disagree. Come on, saint of God. We can disagree and still love one another still function as a family together, still go forward together. Here's what I need me to be. Here's what I need me to be. I need to be grown up enough to accept the fact that if this is my opinion, nobody else has to have the same opinion. I found people that were so small 
that if everybody did not share their opinion, they were angry at the world and no fellowship's going to happen because you don't like my opinion. It's your opinion. Hello? Come on. It, that's your opinion. So don't worry if somebody else doesn't either change your opinion to be like theirs. If that matters that much. If not, then be big enough to say, this is my opinion. I'm sticking with it. I don't care if you agree or not. Amen. So as we look in here, he said, got to love one another. But we also read where the Apostle Peter, Paul said, I confronted the Apostle Peter to his face. Amen. I'd like, to, I'd like to have saw that. I really would have liked to have seen that because those two people were tremendous leaders, and you get leadership together, and sometimes there's friction because if you're going to be a leader, you're going to have to have that charisma. You're going to have to have that attitude, I'm right until somebody proves me wrong, or you're not going anywhere, right? Somebody's got to make a decision. Am I straying? Let's get back. He said a new commandment. This is a new commandment. Love one another. So let's, let's embrace that new commandment. Let, let's take this. I've got about 10 minutes. It's 11 minutes after 10. I've got just a handful of minutes here. Let's weigh this in the balance. How do we know who to help? If, if we just pick this up and say, oh, I've got to love everybody, and I've gotta, I'm going to read the Samaritan's letter, and I'm going to do everything I can, how do we know who to help and who not to help? You all ever, asked, asked, you ever thought about that? Who? We were in San Francisco some years back, and we were down in an area where people were lined up in the area and some of them playing music and they had their hat out there and you could throw them a dollar some of them were tremendous musicians playing and whatever and others just had signs up food help whatever i noticed one guy and i may never forget this but he had a sign up he said why lie money for drugs and he had his box out there and i don't know if anybody gave him money or not i certainly didn't give him money why lie money for drugs so if we we're trying to say hey I don't know this individual. And you go to some of the larger cities, they're not wanting a 50 cents. They're not wanting a cup of coffee. They're saying, hey, you got 20? Right? So let, let's classify a little bit. Let's look at this a little bit. This is scriptural, so I'm not getting off on the carnal side, but let's, let's look. Who's the church supposed to help? Because we get phone calls all the time. Saints, I, I have pulled up in the yard for people. They say, hey, would you get me some kerosene? I've got a jug. And I say, yeah, I'll come by. I'll get you a jug. I'll fill you kerosene up. I'll get you some help. And me pull up in the yard, and they're smoking a cigarette and talking on a cell phone. And to my knowledge, both of those cost money. I can afford to communicate, and I can afford my habit, but I can't afford to stay warm. Will you pay for my warmth? Amen. See, pastors think, too. I, I think I have thoughts too. And I'm thinking, why, who, who's a slow learner in this process right here now? The Apostle Paul, he said in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 10, For even when we were with you, this we commanded you, that if any would not work, 
He said, I told you this beforehand, but I'm going to write you a letter and tell you again. Neither should he eat. To such an evolving society of saving everything, that's harsh, isn't it? That's harsh. Can anybody tell me what Genesis chapter 3 told Adam when sin occurred? Yes, that's it. He said, you'll eat by the sweat of your brow. In other words, Adam, now you're going to have to go do something. You brought this on yourself. Now you're going to have to do something. And I'm not trying to be mean-spirited this morning. If you've got a pool of money you still got a limit. If that pool of money's $5 or $5 million, you've still got a limit on what you can do and what you can't do. How do we classify? Do we give to everybody that when you walk down the street tomorrow and everybody's saying, give me a five, give me a five, give me a five, do we just hand out money like it's made every day? Amen? L- let me give you a, from, from Barnes' commentary, on this statement here. He said, To those who beg from door to door who should never be assisted unless they are willing to do all they can do for their own support. If they're begging and they're not doing anything about their condition, by no means should they be assisted. Is that too hard for us this morning? Is that too... too Amen. Paul wrote to Timothy as he was establishing the church, and Timothy was a pastor. And I'll tell you this morning, there's a lot of people that wouldn't welcome the Apostle Paul in their church into the pulpit. If, if, they, if he preached on Sunday morning, probably revival would end on lunchtime because he wouldn't be back Sunday night. Because he'd probably say some things that rub a lot of people wrong. Notice what he told Timothy. He said, a widow who is put on the list for support must be a woman who is at least 60 years old. That was their rule. You're going to be on this. If, if the church is going to help you with your bills, you've got to be at least 60 years old. There's a limit on what people can do. Amen? There's a limit on what people can do. And was faithful to her husband. Now, this is a widow. She's lost her husband but she was faithful to her husband. She must be well respected by everyone because of the good she has done. Has she brought up her children well? Has she been kind to strangers, served other believers humbly? Has she helped those who are in trouble? Has she always been ready to do good? That was the qualification Paul gave Timothy to be on the list for the church to help them. Amen? Strong list, isn't it? Y'all didn't expect this on Sunday morning, did you? I'm just trying to give us a little bit of classification, understanding. Don't feel bad. Amen? Every time somebody wants you to help them and you don't, you don't help them, don't feel bad about it. Let them help themselves if they're capable. Here again, we can qualify all this. We can break this down. and, and we can, we can, Everybody's got a unique story, I understand. Please don't throw stones at me this morning. 
I know everybody's got it, but sometimes we enable people to be lazy. I can tell you what one pastor said. He said, people come to our church wanting something to eat, and they look like they've ate their children. Amen. I'm not being mean. I'm trying to help us understand. I don't want to feel bad because I'm constantly surrounded with people. I had somebody call, had somebody get, somebody gave my cell phone number to somebody and they called me last week, said, would you help me get a cell phone? I thought, come on now. The individual that gave them my cell number called me and said, I want to apologize to you. I said, well, you don't have to apologize to me, but I would rather you not give my cell phone number out to people. And this guy, to my knowledge, has never worked a day in his life and wanting me to help him get a cell phone. Saint of God, there's times I'm working two jobs, and, and at one time I was working two jobs and my wife was working two jobs. We're trying to get our own cell phone. <laughs> How in the world do you get into Sunday school lessons like this? Come on. But we've got to be aware sometimes in our good love for people, we are enabling them to be crippled. We're setting forth a president where they can do what they want to do, and we're footing the bill for it. Amen. You are probably like me. When I was 15 years old, I went to work. I wasn't even supposed to be working. I wasn't even 16 yet. But the guy, through, through the good help of my brother, got me a job in a radiator shop when I was 15 years old. We work. We work. We'll get off that. Let's, let's move forward. I'm quitting in just a moment. In Ephesians chapter 3, verse 17, understanding that love is a foundation, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth, length, depth, height. We read this just the other night. And to know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge, that you might be filled with all the fullness of God, Unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above what all that we ask or think according to that power that worketh in us. Unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. There is a love of God that is extended to you and I. That offered us mercy when we didn't deserve it. Offered us grace when we were not worthy of it. That love is extended to us today. God so loved the world, right? He gave. God's giving today. He's giving grace today. He's giving mercy today. He's giving long-suffering today. And in our desire to be like Him, saying of God, let's reach out with mercy 
Let's reach out with grace and long-suffering and gentleness and kindness and bear the fruit of that Spirit and be everything that we possibly can be. We do not have to be taken advantage of. We looked at that. But at the same time, let's show compassion to everyone we can see, everyone we can possibly show compassion to. My God loves me this morning, and my God loves you this morning. He cares about every day of your life. To the numbering of the hair on your head, he cares about you. He said the sparrows are basically a worthless bird financially, right? He went into the temple, and the sparrows were sold for a sacrifice, but that sparrow was the cheapest you could get. That was the cheapest you could get. And he, he looked at that, and he said, Did you know that sparrow, not one of them, falls dead without my knowledge of it. And then he asked the question, how much more valuable are you? He knows where you're at today. He knows your struggle today. He knows your sleepless nights. He knows your battle. He knows everything about you. And in this message, maybe I've butchered it up a little bit with all the things that we've talked about, but in this message this morning, I want you to understand my God loves me. And my God's willing to help me. And, and if he's asking me, and he's telling the story of the Samaritan, of the one that came along and one was half dead. Amen? One was half dead. He had been robbed of all that he had. He'd been stripped naked. And someone came along and helped him. Could we not say that about our God? That when we were in that condition, we had been stripped of everything that was, that was meaningful in life. Maybe we had a brick home. Maybe we were driving a nice car. But I'm talking about everything spiritual, everything that would make us alive spiritually. We'd been robbed. We'd been stripped of that. And all of a sudden, my God comes along, puts his arms around us, coaches us back to a place of repentance, allows us to be buried with him and fills us up with his spirit. Isn't that a great God that is able to do exceeding abundantly above anything I could ask? That's the mercy of God. That's the goodness and grace of God that he would call us out of this dark place while we were yet sinners. Paul wrote that to the church at Rome in chapter 5, verse 8. He said, But God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. While I was yet in my sins, God loved me enough to die for me. And he loves me enough to keep me today. Stand with me this morning. I want us to, I want us to pray that God help us perfect this. Amen. I, I want to get this right. I want to love God properly. But you know what? When I look around this congregation of people, I want to love you properly too. Amen? I don't, I don't want to pastor by manipulation and, and self-will and self-interest and treat you wrong. I want to love you properly. And I want to give you things that is going to help you fulfill your calling in God and where God is ministering to you. Would you pray with me this morning, God, help us? Would you find you a place to pray this morning and just ask God, help me perfect this, help me to get this right? God, sometimes I don't know what spirit I'm of, and I'm, I'm, I'm not displaying this, God, with your help, with your divine nature. God, with the empowering of your spirit in my life, I'll get this right. I'll love you with everything in me. God, I'll love you with all my mind, with all my soul, with all my strength. I love people as I love myself. I will have the principle 
I will have the base. God, whether I feel this or not, I will have this worked out in my own heart to be what you've called me to be in Jesus' name. Amen. Reach out to the Lord this morning. Reach out to the anointing and the power of God this morning and ask his help in all this in Jesus' name.